0: In general, if truma food is mixed together with chulin food, if the mixture is yovish by where both foods are solid and dry foods, then in order for the truma to be nullified in the mixture, and for the mixture to be permitted for non-khanim, there must be at least a hundred times more chulin than truma. And when it comes to orla or Kerem, which are forbidden for everybody and it's forbidden to even benefit from them. So if orla produce is mixed together with chulin produce, and again it's yovish be they're both solid dry foods. So in that case the orla is only nullified and the mixture will be only permitted if there is 200 more times chulin than orla or klea Now we saw too much nice ago, an exception to this, that if the effect of the forbidden food is recognizable in the mixture, for example, if it's a spice or if it causes the rest of the mixture to rise, then even if it's less than one hundredth or one two hundredth of the mixture, the entire mixture will still be forbidden since it is being affected in a big way by the forbidden item. Now, the following Mishnah will clarify when exactly that applies. And in what case did the Chachamim say that if the forbidden food causes the mixture to rise, or if the forbidden food was a spice, then it would make the trimmer mixture into a maduma, that's when trimmer and Chulun are mixed together and the trimmer is not nullified. And as we explained, the same would apply to Orla and Kerem, that even if the Orla and Kerem is less than a two hundredth of the entire mixture, if its effect is recognised, then it would be forbidden. But when exactly does that apply La hachmer to be strict? When do we say this strict halacha? That's only Min bomino, when the two foods which are mixed together are the same type of food. And the Mishnah will give an example of that in a moment. However, to be lenient and to be strict, meaning in what case do we not always apply this rule, but if the forbidden food is a different type of food to the permitted food. And we'll give an example of that in the following Mishnah. But for now, we're going back to the first part, where you've got two of the same kinds of food, ketzad. What would be an example of that case? Trummer sourdough made out of wheat, which fell into chulin dough, also made out of wheat. The yeshbeh kdel and the trummer sourdough is enough to make the chulin dough rise. So, whether there's enough chulin to nullify the truma, one in a hundred, so whether there's a hundred times more chulin than trummer or not. Nevertheless, also it will be forbidden because the effect of the truma is recognizable. And of course, if there isn't enough chulin to nullify the truma one in a hundred, whether the truma is enough to cause the chulin to rise or not, also it will be forbidden. So in that case, even if the truma's effect is not felt, it's not recognizable. That will make a difference because here, of course, there isn't a hundred times more chulin than truma, so the truma will always be forbidden. mission Now we see a case was sometimes lenient and was sometimes strict if the forbidden food item is different to the chulin food in the mixture. And here we come to a very important law with regards to mixtures of forbidden food with permitted food. The concept of truma being nullified in a hundred times more chulen, as we explained at the beginning of this perech, is learnt from when the Torah talks about trumus meisah. Trumus is one hundredth of the original produce, and the Torah implies that if the Trumus falls back into the original mixture, then the entire mixture is forbidden. Now, if Trumus mysa is one hundredth of the mixture, that means it's falling into another 99 permitted units. And that's forbidden, which implies that if it was mixed with more permitted units, namely one in another 100 permitted units, for example, chulin, then the Trumus would be nullified, and the same goes for other Truma as well and then we extended the idea to Orla and Kerem. and because Orla and Kleia Kerem are forbidden even to benefit from, so there's an added prohibition, so whereas Truma is nullified 1 in 100 Chulin, Orla and Kleia Kerem are nullified 1 in 200. Now when trumus mysa is separated from its original produce, and then it falls back to its original produce, so in that case certainly the trumus Meisa and the rest of the produce is the same type of food, and we learn from there that the rule of food being nullified one in a hundred or one in two hundred only applies min b'minai in case where the forbidden item and the permitted item are the same type of food. However, if it's different types of food, well, that's not the case which the Torah was talking about. And so this one in 100, one in 200 is not applicable at all over there if it's minbisha eno minoi. And therefore, in a case of minbisha eno minoi, it just depends on whether the taste of the forbidden item is given over to the rest of the mixture. So it says, For example, crushed beans, which were cooked together with lentils. So you've got truma crushed beans and chulen lentils. So we don't look at whether there's a hundred times more lentils then group the then beans because it's min bishere eno they are two different types of food and therefore we look at the taste for yes b'manis in tam if the trimmer beans give off their taste to the lentils then b'nei sheyesh b'hem laris be'echodu meyor b'nei she'en b'hem laris be'echodu meyor whether there's enough chulin to nullify the trimmer one in a hundred or not also it's forbidden because the chulin gets the taste of the trimmer. On the other hand, if the chulin does not gain the taste of the trimmer beans, then again, whether there's one in a hundred or not is irrelevant. Whether there is enough chulin to nullify the trimmer one in a hundred or not, mutter... It will be permitted since the taste is not given, so it emerges as follows. If you recall, there are two main categories of taribus of mixtures. One is called yavish beyavish, where solid foods are mixed together, and the other category is lach, be lach if two liquids are mixed together, or even two solids which give off their taste to each other. Now, the only time where the concept of nullifying one in a hundred or one in two hundred applies is in a case of yavish beyavish, where it's two solid foods, and as well as that, it's min minoi it's the same two types of foods as well. But if it's min b'she'enu minah, lach balach, then instead of following one in a hundred or one in two hundred, it rather depends on whether the taste of the forbidden item is given off to the rest of the mixture. Mishlachetz, what happens if chulin sh'nof'alus'eich isa? if chulin sourdough falls into other chulin dough, Sourdough is used to make the other dough rise. And there's enough of this chulin sourdough to make the rest of the dough rise. However, before the dough rises, After that, truma sourdough falls into the mixture as well. Falls into the dough. Or if chulin sourdough were to fall into this chulin dough. And the same would apply to our law. And once again, Vyeshbrik del There's enough Truma sourdough or Klea Kerem sourdough in itself to make the whole Chulin dough rise. Even without the Chulin sourdough. Says the Mishnah, Osir, the whole dough is considered forbidden, and in the case of Truma, it's just forbidden for non koyanim The reason being that although there was enough chulin sourdough to make the dough rise, so had the forbidden sourdough not been added, the dough still would have risen. So you might be able to argue that the forbidden sourdough was not the cause of the rising. However, we don't say that, rather, the mixture, the dough, is considered forbidden, because at the end of the day, the forbidden sourdough did contribute to the rising. Since it had not yet risen, when the forbidden sourdough was added, and since there was enough of the forbidden sourdough to make the entire dough rise, and that also caused the dough to rise much faster, and so the dough is considered to have been risen by forbidden sourdough, and therefore it's forbidden. Mishnah test. now what happens if s'oshal sourdough fell into chulin dough, v'chimtzah, and it actually did cause the dough to rise, and chulin dough had already risen, and only then and after that, nofal social Truma. Then, trimmer sourdough fell into the dough, it's Oshal Klea Kerem, or Klea Kerem sourdough. The Yeshbuklea and the trimmer or the Klea Kerem sourdough, would have been enough to cause the entire dough to rise. But in this case, the dough already rose before the forbidden sourdough was added. So in this case, it's a machlaikas. So according to the Tanakama, even in this case, oser, the entire dough will become forbidden. And the reason for the Tanakama is that, although it's already risen, by adding more sourdough, you'll cause the dough to rise even more. And although in general you don't want dough to rise even more because it makes that dough itself not so tasty and possibly even inedible, nevertheless, because it will now contain so much sourdough, the dough can be used to make other dough rise. You could take parts of this dough and add it to other pieces of dough, causing the other pieces of dough to rise. So it comes out that you adding the sourdough of Trummer to the dough which already rose still affects it in a recognisable way. And therefore, the dough is forbidden. However, it be shimon mater. In this case, it be shimon permits the dough, and this is because of a very important principle known as nosin tam Gam. Nosin tam Gam means that the taste which is given off from the forbidden item is something which is negative and damaging for the rest of the mixture. And in this case, if you look at the dough itself, by adding more sourdough to this dough, that actually damages this dough itself. You won't be able to eat this dough. It's true you can start taking it and adding it to other doughs, but fact is you've damaged this dough by adding the taste. And the halacha is that even if it does give off a taste, if that taste is a pagam taste, if it's one which damages the rest of the mixture, then it does not forbid the rest of the mixture. Now if that's the case, the question is why doesn't Rabbi Shimon argue in the previous Mishnah? In the previous Mishnah, there was also double the amount of sourdough added, which means that the dough will also become too sour and not so edible by adding the forbidden sourdough. So, surely in that case, the Shimon should also hold that the dough should be permitted. So, the Brightonura answers. And in the previous Mishnah, since when you added the trimmer sourdough, the dough hadn't yet risen, so the initial effect of the trimmer sourdough was actually a positive effect, because first it caused the dough to rise to its optimal level, and it's true that after that it then got worse, and it had too much sourdough in, but it also caused the positive effect, and in fact when it was added, the positive effect was the first thing which happened, and therefore it is not considered a nocine tam case, and as such the dough will be forbidden, because the trimmer sourdough in that case did give off a positive taste to the rest of the mixture.